Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Arrgh, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh. That's Chuck. Ahoy, Chuck. And we are happy to be here. Agreed. That was terrible, Chuck, but a terrible pun. You're the one that started it. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. All right. Uh, this is Stuff You Should Know, uh, a.k.a. the Happy Pirate Hour. Right. Right? Um, although we're not pirates and these things never run an hour. So. No, true. No. Uh, but Chuck, the reason I said ARG uh, is because I wanted to know if you knew about these uh, these pirates in Somalia. Have you heard about this? I read a little bit about that. Was the summer or was it in the fall? Oh, it's still going on. But yeah, this past Continuing. this past summer and fall, they were at their peak. They they got a, they captured a hundred million dollars worth of uh, Saudi oil. Um, they captured a, uh, a, a cargo vessel. With thirty Russian tanks on it, that's amazing. They've been making millions of dollars holding these things for ransom. Right, they're getting increasingly sophisticated. The British Navy went head to head with um, like a, a small fishing boat of ten of them. Um, and after they finally captured these guys, they went on board, and there were assault rifles, rocket-propelled grenade launchers. Jeez. Like these guys are, they're like modern-day pirates. It's, in a weird way, it's kind of cool, but at right. the same time, sure. they're pirates, you know. Right, uh, they a should send Bill thief, Murray. Right? They should send Bill Murray. Did you see The Life Aquatic? Yes. Pirates, modern modern pirates in that movie, and they. Took I had forgotten about that aspect. What that's what I picture, actually. Really? Yeah, I bet that's kind of what they're like. You know, it's not the days of the skull and crossbones, and. Well, no, not anymore. There's very few peg legs aboard no. these ships, I imagine. But actually, uh, Africa has long been a, a place for piracy. I mean, this goes back centuries. Right. Actually, uh, Redbeards, they were actually two brothers, the brothers Barbarossa. Really? Uh, they established piracy in northern Africa. Um, they were Turks, and they were battling the uh, Spanish Christians across the way. Interesting. And there was a lot of uh, really evil deeds done to one another from both sides, actually. I bet. I'm a Blackbeard guy. Are you? Oh, yeah. He was, uh, didn't he bury his, uh, his, his booty, uh, in the Outer Banks? Uh, maybe. Not too far away. I know that, uh, that Discovery Channel show Treasure Quest, like all these modern day treasure hunters, they can, it's gotten much more sophisticated and they, they're starting to find a lot of these shipwrecks with tons of loot. That's great. Billions so, of so dollars. So finding, uh, old pirates, uh, is becoming as, as sophisticated as modern pirates are. Note point. the correlation, wow. Chuck. Yeah, although correlation is not causation, Chuck. That's what I. That's what I learned. Okay, so uh, well, these, these pirates were really having it free and easy, um, and they they were being they were very successful. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the reasons why is because nobody wanted to capture them because they didn't know who would prosecute them. Well, right. They're out, they, they're acting like they own the oceans. Well, the, number one, their country doesn't have a functioning central government right now and hasn't since the 90s, right? Yeah, that doesn't But help. number two, as you said, uh, and I'm so sorry to step all over your segue because it was it's so, so beautiful. Good. Do you want to say it again? Josh, they're acting as if they own the oceans. You know what, Chuck? <laughs> they do in a sense. Right, and so, so do you. So do you, Chuck. And so do all of you out there in podcast land. Mm-hmm. We all own the oceans. It is the uh, heritage of all mankind, as the UN puts it. Yes. And we'll get to that a little later Very on. Very cool. But yeah, so these uh, Somali pirates are being uh, shuffled around from nation to nation. Kenya's prosecuting a lot of them, but really, it's not clear whether the, anybody has jurisdiction over them. Right. Right? Um, but yeah, so we 
all own the oceans. Yeah, in a way, sure. Right, and the the waters off of Somalia have been declared the high seas, which makes them international waters. Right, which means everybody owns them. Mm-hmm. There are portions of the ocean that people oh, that not everyone owns. Right, the right. So you want to talk a little bit about the history? All of this is just so cryptic. Let's really get down to the nuts and bolts here. Sure. They they figured this out over the the course of uh, the past uh, what couple of hundred years. Well, there there have been treaties dating back to the uh, the ancient Romans. Oh wow. Well, yeah, but they were very localized and regional. Right. This is like the oceans, but yeah, that's a couple hundred years. Yes. Uh, I guess the the first one was the uh, freedom of the seas doctrine. A.K.A. Well, the law of the sea. Right. Not to be confused <laughs> with the custom of the sea, which was uh, basically protocol for cannibalism uh, during a shipwreck. True. And not to be confused with chicken of the sea, which no, is, in which fact, is tuna. And not, yeah, it's not chicken. Nice one, Uh Yeah, so the freedom of the seas doctrine was kind of the first one. And basically that granted exclusive rights uh, for a three-mile buffer of ocean that uh, abutted your coastline. Right, and we still have those. It's called territorial seas. Right, but it's ex- expanded quite a bit since then. It has, um, and but the the territorial sea, whether it's uh, three miles or um, you know however many miles it is now, which we'll get to later. We don't want to ruin the surprise know, of it's a big how shot. how far offshore a, a territorial sea goes now. But basically, it's um, it's an extension of the sovereign soil right. of a nation, a coastal nation. Um, so but if, if a ship sails into that and they're acting a little belligerent, they want to shoot their cannons off mm-hmm. or whatever, that's an act of war. It's, pr- it's tantamount to invading uh, that nation's soil. Right. right. And that actually got us into a couple of wars, right? It did. We, yeah. we took big, the, the uh, – Not the big one. That's World War Two. No, yeah. World War One. World War One. War of eighteen twelve. Yes. World War One was the sinking of the Lusitania. Absolutely. Um, and one of the reasons that drew us in is because uh, an attack on uh, another country's vessels in international waters, which is everything outside of the um, the, the territorial waters, right? Which is most of the ocean, right? Sure. Um, that is an act of war as well. Yep. So uh, British the British vessels capturing American sailors uh, provoked the War of 1812. Right. And the Lusitania being sunk by the Germans, the Germans, um, that was uh, that was what caused World War One in large part. Right. Or and, American involvement. Uh, after say. that, the United States, I love that we were the ones that said, you know what, three miles isn't going to cut it. We, no. we want 200 miles. And in 1945, we just kind of declared that so. Yeah, the great sea grab of 45, I like to call it. Basically what happened, um, for 300 years, the uh, the law of the sea, it was in, uh, in um Unofficial agreement. Right. An unofficial treaty. So the fact that it lasted 300 years is pretty significant. Yeah, that's amazing. But by 1945, one of the reasons it lasted so long is because we didn't have the, the capabilities to draw things like, oh, I don't know, oil, natural gas. Right. Huge, um, commercial fishing operations weren't up yet. Um, but by the mid 20th century, we'd started to develop these capabilities. Right. And so under pressure from, uh, oil companies, um, Truman actually uh, just said, "You know what? Um, I'm going to unilaterally extend the uh, the U.S.'s territorial waters 200 miles from three miles to 200 miles." Right. I got a stat for you. I want to hear it. Speaking of oil, uh, 1954, we were only pulling out uh, less than one million tons of oil per year from uh, the ocean. Right. From all the oceans combined. Right. That's right. And by the end of the 1960s, which you know, not even that that much further along. Almost 400 million tons uh, per year. Right. So these things had had increased in value. Our sophistication yes. in r- removing them from the bottom of the sea had increased, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and all of a sudden, instead of just some ships passing, you know, loaded with cigarettes 
uh, for going from one country to another. Right. That this was the sea became a really much a much busier place because about that time. Yes, because there's uh, a lot of money to be had. Agreed. I have another stat. I want to hear it. Uh, in 2004, which was uh, just a short time ago, mm-hmm. the United States alone uh, generated $63 billion worth of wages uh, paid out for oceanic activities. So. In just one year? Uh, yeah. In just the United States? Absolutely. Wow. So, that's, that's, see, okay, so it is. It's big business, right? Big time. And uh, I imagine that's probably worth even more now. With the, with, I can't imagine how much oil we're, we're drawing out now. Oh, yeah. Four years later, it's probably, yeah, a lot more. So... Um, so clearly, everybody kind of wants as much of these resources as they can get, right? Which was the uh, the two hundred mile uh, sea grab that the right. U.S. kicked off. Uh, a, a whole lot of other countries followed suit immediately. Oh, I'm it sure was, yeah. it was just a mess, right? Well, they're doing it. I want my exactly. two hundred miles. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and a lot of these overlapped. You know, I mean, like think of Cuba. Cuba is right. not two hundred miles from the U.S. So True. there's all there's just a big mess. Lots of ramifications. And so. because it was an informal treaty, the law of the sea. Um, Nobody could say anything, really, right? Right, true. Even worse, now that we're drawing all these resources out, the uh, in, in overfishing in commercial fisheries, uh-huh. um, nobody wants everybody wants the resources, but nobody wants the responsibility of taking care of the right, oceans, right. right? And overfishing is a huge problem right now. So, right, sure, and and one of the reasons why is because of the, the there weren't any um, any you know I guess treaties with teeth right. in place until. 1967. Right. Thanks uh, to your buddies man. in Malta. Yeah. The, the Maltese ambassador to the UN, mm-hmm. one Arvid Pardo, finally <laughs> stood up and said, wait, we must do something about this. This is out of hand. Uh, everybody's going nuts. I'm looking at you, United States. Right. Um, and he suggested that they have a convention. And what came out of that was the convention of the law of the sea. Right. It makes a lot of, you know, I can't believe it took a that long to, officially do this yeah the, he he said it in 67 right then the convention uh was finally ratified in what 1982 well 82 and then didn't come into force until 94 so it took that long just to get this thing well th- that's the, that's the un for you yeah they're not a fast moving body you know lazy is what they are kind of so <laughs> at least they did this thank you uh to mr pardo uh-huh. by the way of malta yes and one of one of the it had uh several um provisions to it yes one of the things it did was it it um codified the law of the sea right the territorial sea well the law of the sea the original treaty oh, right, the original right. agreement that number one the, the oceans really belong to everybody right um it it, it, it um set up a, an international maritime tribunal for complaints and mm-hmm. you know um doling out revenge that kind of thing right. um and uh it also is that well also we finally get to that that mystery fact you ready yes it extended territorial waters from 3 miles to 12 nautical miles which is right 13.8 regular land miles, right? That's which are my favorite kind of miles. Yeah, land miles. And don't even ask me how many kilometers that is cuz I'm an American. <laughs> um, so we don't we don't play that way. No, we don't. We're the only people in the world who don't too. And I remember when uh, I remember when I was in elementary school, the metric system. You know, we had to study it because we're going to go to the metric system very very soon. Well, I think uh, yeah, I remember that. I was in the womb. Yeah, what a yeah. joke. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, nice, Chuck. By American. Um, one of the other things that it did was uh, establish uh, exclusive economic zones. Right. You want to talk about these, Chuck? Yeah, EEZs. Basically, mm-hmm. um, if territorial waters uh, extend our state's laws to rights of defense, EEZs basically are our right to resources. 
Right. We're talking what we were just saying, fisheries, oil, that kind of thing. And how far do they go? They go 200 miles. So that's really substantial. Right. And and uh, so basically it said, okay, you can have uh, – you can attack somebody if they come within 12 nautical miles of your shore. Right. Uh, you can't attack anybody no. out there. But if there's somebody mining in your EEZ, right. you can come to the International Tribunal and we'll dole out some revenge for you, right? Right. Um, so th- a, a lot of people already had basically what am- amounted to an EEZ in a f- after the after the sea grab of 1945. Right. And uh, basically they were using the continental slope uh-huh. as, the, uh, as the boundary, right? Because that's where uh, th- w- there's a continental shelf that goes from shore to the continental slope. And this is a relatively shallow, yeah. Sh- like 650 feet or something right, like that. Right, which doesn't sound shallow to me, but I'm no, not, I'm but not a deep sea diver. Once it hits the slope, you're talking about it going miles down. Right, that's frightening to me. Right, and I, I also I want to make a prediction here, Chuck. Okay. Once our uh, technology to remove natural resources advances enough that we can get it out of the you know areas in the continental slope, uh-huh. there will be yet another. Oh, yeah. Sea grab. They'll push it out even further. Agreed. And at some point, they may just push it out so far that they all connect. Well, you know, this is go- this is going on right now. Is it? There is another sea grab going on oh, right. um, around the Arctic Circle. Sure. Thanks to our friend uh, climate change, which I think we used to call it global warming, but that didn't pan out, right? Right. Okay, so climate change is actually starting to melt the polar ice caps. Yeah. And uh, there's an estimated 25% of what remains of the, the world's uh, natural gas and oil reserves locked under that ice. Uh, the ice is starting to unlock. Right. And so all of a sudden, Canada, the U.S., Russia, Norway, I think Sweden. Yeah, Denmark. Denmark, they're all trying to uh, claim um, exclusive economic rights to those. Right. And there's basically a race going on. and we're, we're, Everyone's using geology now. They're, they're kind of following the U.N.'s right. um, convention. but uh, Yet we'll, no one we'll cares about the uh, polar bear. Yeah, no. I mean, that's not true. People do care. But they're disappearing because of the... You know, the ice caps melting. Yeah. It's sad. Yeah, they're not going to have too many places to go very soon, I imagine. No, and it affects their uh, – I, I was just writing about this. That's why I brought it up. <laughs> okay. But it affects their migrating patterns and their ability to hunt because they hunt from, you know, perched on the ice caps. They get the seals. So. Oh, yeah. No ice, no hunting. It's really sad. Tragic. Uh, the other thing, too, Josh, we wanted to mention uh, – or I wanted to mention was uh, straits. I love straits. They're my favorite body of water. Right, and it's a tricky area because straits are usually um, more narrow than the 12-mile territorial sea rule. So if you have straits that go between, you know, like a five-mile strait going between two countries, what do you do? Uh, you claim it as international water. That's the only fair thing to do. Yeah, and that was actually part of the um, the custom – no, no, sorry, the uh, law of the sea. Oh, the original was, law of the sea. Right, yeah. That was that the convention on the law of the sea from the UN said, yeah, we're going to stick with that. That's so they just pushed idea. that through. Yeah. Pretty cool. Agreed, Chuck. So, Chuck, you know, you might be thinking uh, at this point, okay, this is all well and good for coastal nations. What about landlocked nations? What about Luxembourg? You know what? Luxembourg has every right to the uh, international waters as you and I do. Yes, but how does that help them with, oh, I don't know, things like shipping they're landlocked, right? True. Shouldn't they have some sort of access through their coastal neighbors' territorial waters? Uh, Unfettered? I unmolested? Did, I don't think so, and I bet you're about to tell me that they do. They do. That's good. They do. Um, that's. Uh, I, I believe that's part of the UN Convention on the Law of the Sea, um, that you have to gain – you have to allow them access through your territorial waters to the coast um, if you're a coastal nation. 
uh, and you can't tax them, you can't levy tariffs. Right. Basically, it's trying to make it fair, right? Right. The problem is, is if you are a landlocked country, it sucks for you. There's all sorts yeah. of figures and statistics that basically show that, especially developing countries, they're uh-huh. called um, they're called LLDCs, landlocked developing countries. Oh man, they can't get a leg up, right? Well, sure, because that's there's so, so many resources in the ocean that that they can't uh, get access to. Well, it's not just that. You remember you said that that uh, the U.S. had sixty three billion dollars made from right uh, just just aquatic maritime activities. Those in were, well, those were wages paid out, but yeah. Right. Okay. That's just wages, right. right? Not 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 including economic stimulus of any kind. Um, but it's not just that. Uh, people in landlocked developing countries have a life expectancy of about three and a half years less, on average, than their coastal neighbors who are of the same developmental uh, progress. Really? Yep. Um, they have. Uh, they make about three times less salary on average, mm-hmm. and um, their volume of trade is about sixty percent less. Yeah, than their their coastal neighbors. Um, and one of the examples I read about was um, the Central African Republic, which is a landlocked Western African nation. Uh-huh. It cost $13,000 to send a shipping container to that country. You know, the standard ones that go from, like, train to ship to whatever. Right, right. To send it to the Ivory Coast, uh, which is their coastal neighbor right there, cost $3,000. So as a result, landlocked Western African nations are making about 12% of what their coastal neighbors are in importing exporting revenues. Right. It's a shame, Josh, that these landlocked countries can't uh, partner up with the coastal nations and, you know, work out some kind of a trade deal. Like maybe they have better land for growing a crop inland, and uh, in the spirit of you know global economy. You should be president of the world, Chuck. <laughs> I think that's a fine idea. Um, I have another question, Josh. Okay, let's hear it. I was uh, looking at you know they got some underwater hotels now. Have you heard of these? Uh, it rings a bell, but I think that may be from a Simpsons episode. <laughs> no, it's actually real. They have one in Dubai that's, uh, I believe it's opening very soon called Hydropolis. Cool. You know, Dubai does all this crazy. I know. They're, they've got really great imaginations. And there's another one off the coast of Fiji that's set to open next year called the Poseidon Undersea Resort. And these are big, big money. We're talking like 1500 bucks a night for a room. And think about the insurance. Sure. Uh, these are off the coast, so they're within the territorial area, but my question, and I don't have an answer, but my question is, these are private companies opening these things up, so technically, they're on the land below the sea that belongs to that country, so I wonder if they had to work out a deal, like whoever opened up Hydropolis had to work out a deal with the Dubai government, we want this little parcel of land under the water to build something create a lot of revenue, and what kind of rent do we need to pay? Yeah, they probably have a lease, um, like I guess an oil company would have for offshore drilling. Okay, I guess that makes sense. You know, it's probably very long and expensive. Right. Yeah. Interesting stuff. Yeah, okay, one last thing. I I think we would be remiss in uh, getting out of this podcast if we didn't name the five oceans. Can you name them, Chuck? It's not in the article. Well, Josh, technically it's all one big ocean because it's all connected. (laughs) Yes. Nice try, Chuck. You want to try naming the five oceans? I probably can't do this. It's embarrassing. I'm going to say Atlantic, Pacific, Indian, Arctic. How many are there? Five, and there's one more. you you got one more to go. Arctic and, um, oh, it's Southern. uh, Yes. It is the Southern Ocean. That's what it's called? Yeah. Who knew? Yeah, I had no idea. I I thought there were only four. Oh, wow. There's three continents, though, right? Well, while, while we all just soak in uh, Chuck's shame, 
Um, we're going to... Uh, That's a deep pool, my friend. I think we should go to uh, listener mail, get you out of this one. Right, I think Chuck? so. It's a great time for listener mail. So, Josh, this week we have a couple of things. We have uh, one I'm just going to call Correction Coup. This is a correction with a haiku, which is... Oh, nice. Okay. We love these. And then we have an exceptional uh, listener mail. Uh, Lee Santel, or Santelli, I'm not sure, wrote us in with a correction coup about just the one we released uh, the other day, about Niagara Falls. Mm-hmm. And you likened a rebreather to scuba equipment. You probably knew you were wrong as soon as it came out of your mouth. No, I thought that's the piece that goes in your mouth. No, Josh. Uh, <laughs> apparently, a scuba buoyancy control device, or BCD, exhales the same carbon dioxide dioxide that the user exhales, which bubbles to the surface. A rebreather recycles uh, a portion of, that the user exhales, and the usable ox- reusable oxygen is rebreathed. So basically, um, with a rebreather, you have no bubbles, which well, is why yeah, the Navy like, SEALs exactly. use it. And I think that's what I was referencing, was Navy SEAL scuba equipment, not, you know, Joe Schmo scuba equipment. Oh, well, of course. Yeah. In that case, you were right, and Lee, thanks for nothing. No, just kidding. <laughs> Here's a haiku, though, that Lee uh, put it very succinctly. Swimming under blue... Passing fishes on the left. Don't forget the air. Very important. Nice. And we have one more, uh, which I like to call exceptional fan mail, from uh, our friend Chrissy, is what she calls herself. Uh, Christina Cannon in Michigan, and she's a student, and her family, uh, they sit around and listen to our podcast, which is... <laughs> it is so cool. I know. Hello, cool. Chrissy's family. And she wrote a little poem, an ode to how stuff works. It goes a little something like this. I used to listen to Coldplay on my daily walks to class, but those days are finished since the How Stuff Works podcast. Shows are random and funny and make me laugh out loud a lot, for it's not every day I learn what is the best place to be shot. On behalf of us college students, thanks for telling us stuff we should know. I hope you guys have a great weekend and keep up the wonderful show. So, nice. in your face, Coldplay. I know. So, uh, thank you to Chrissy and uh, the other one, Lee. Uh-huh. All right. Thanks to both of you and to everybody who writes in to let us know that uh, we warm the cockles of your heart because you warm ours. And if you want to know more about who owns the ocean, you can type in who owns the ocean, appropriately enough, mm-hmm. in the handy search bar of our beloved website. Also, I would recommend uh, going to opendemocracy.com and looking for an article called Aiming for the Sea that argues points about landlocked developing countries, and I took a couple stats from them, not ashamed to admit. Right, and uh, we would also like to plug our blog, which yeah, is do it, Chuck. should be now live on the website. It's the Stuff You Should Know blog, and we want to invite our fans to interact with each other and uh, talk about things that we talk about. and. You know, it's a smart group of people out there, you guys. Yeah, you can actually access that through the How Stuff Works homepage. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a little portal through there, take you through time and space to me and Chuck. That's right. And uh, if you want to send us an email, wow, this is a lot of information. It if is. you want to send us an email, you can send it to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?